0: Hello and welcome to the PHBS podcast with myself, Will Bowen, and my co-host, Roberta Lazzari. Today we have with us Alice Diego. With 15 years of international experience in marketing, digital, and business advisory work, her knowledge of the Chinese market is born from a natural passion for Chinese language and culture. Alice has been studying, traveling, and working with China since 2003. She worked as a marketing manager for Dizen Shira & Associates, a pan-Asia multidisciplinary professional services firm based in Shenzhen, and also covering activities in Southeast Asia. Back in Europe, she promoted the acquisition of Exist, a China digital consulting firm founded in Beijing in 2007. Alice is currently managing operations for Exist in the UK, and she is a board member of several Italian SMEs, private and listed companies. Alice, it's great to have you on the podcast with us today.
1: Thanks guys for having me here today. Thank you very much.
2: (laughs) Welcome Alice and thanks for being here today with us. I would start with some question about Exist. Um, If you can give us more details about it and how did you start?
1: Yeah, so basically Exist uh, is um, a Chinese company. So it was founded in China, in Beijing in 2007, and it was started by two Italian guys that were living and uh, working in China, uh, two software engineers. So people that were basically interested in, the te- in technology. And these guys you know, set up the business in Beijing and uh, uh, I actually met them after a few years in 2015 when my group, so my holding group, actually did the acquisition of the, the company. So that's, the, that's when uh, we met the, the founder. And at the beginning, the company was basically a software house. So um, system integrator. so they were developing uh, software and hosting services for Western companies based in China that wanted to you know, establish their uh, digital presence in the Chinese ecosystem. But in the, in the years, it changed a bit of the scope, you know, business, because of course, the landscape itself, the digital landscape itself changed. So uh, then in, after the acquisition, we changed a bit, you know, also the nature of the service with implementation of, of more uh, digital and digital marketing services.
0: And can I quickly ask, what's the um, story behind the name of the company and the, and the logo <laughs> exist?
1: OK, thanks for the question. So I actually have two versions so the Chinese one and the Western one. So let me try to uh, briefly explain it. So um, exist uh, in Chinese. So you know that when you register a business overseas, you uh, may actually it's it actually um, suggested to register the trademark. Right. So this is one of the steps that also we suggest the clients. So when they register the, the business name and the business license, they choose uh, in Chinese, I will, you know, translate it. Uh, this name is actually Beijing Yi Li Ke Yi You Gong Se. So what does it mean actually? So they use Beijing the base, so uh, bay, Beijing the base, so yeah, the capital, yeah. so of course, and uh, I, uh, Italy the e so you, if you guys study Chinese so yep. ita, uh, so they, the first character of ita- Italy uh, in Chinese and then funny thing they actually um, you know like uh, inverted the word chuan, chuan yi, okay chuan for thorn so with each one okay so creative and then of course technology kg so basically they were like thinking to have this name that means actually literally can be translated into like italian creative uh, power in beijing something like that so as you know naming is very important in chinese when you set up a business or you know a brand Uh, in our case it's a b2b business so it's not that important i would say uh, compared to you know businesses that run B two C so business to consumer, but still it's interesting. On the other hand, the logo, uh, well this egg right, very uh, simple, uh, was restyled by myself um, in two thousand and fifteen. I mean after the acquisition. And before was like yellow and, and blue. Well, don't ask me what does it really mean, but still, in <laughs> no, we blue, won't color, <laughs> blue color is you know very much into the tech company, right? Yep,
0: yep. But
1: when I restarted with our creative team, uh, we picked the you know the Yin and Yang color, so black and white, uh, meaning of you know Western and Eastern culture. So basically, Exis is a company that represents Western companies in the Eastern markets, okay? So that's the thing. So the uh, the two things of the yin and the yang in the colors and the, also in the services and in the nature of the, uh, in the location of our business.
0: Um, I guess I just have one question. You just mentioned um, the nature of being, you know, cross-border China-UK um, culture. How do you synergize the two at Exist?
1: Uh, you mean at the beginning or Yeah, now? at the
0: beginning and then and then as, as the company's grown.
1: The thing is that actually at the beginning, the, the company had, had only people and staff and offices in, in China. So basically, yes, it was a multicultural environment because our, the founder were basically Western people, so Italians, and the, uh, the staff, the employee, uh, 15 to 20 people, were uh, Chinese. Uh, and so, you know, operations were run mainly in China, in mainland China. But then, uh, in the after the acquisition, we uh, we wanted to, you know, um, let's say expand our operation also in the in Italy, in Europe, and in the UK. And so that was a challenge, but was still interesting because our staff it's it's a multicultural staff. So we mainly mix and match, you know, culture and language. This is something that also I really. Uh, always liked and uh, still like, you know, about our company when we do, you know, like international business, and also I, I, I suppose also in your business school, it's, you know, something like that. You have multicultural, yeah, multicultural. Yeah, culture. Yeah,
2: mentioning uh, Western culture and uh, Eastern culture, we know there are a lot of differences, and I guess these differences uh, can be found also in the digital ecosystem. So could you tell us something more about the digital ecosystem in China?
1: Yes, of course. Uh,
2: um, well, we have
1: to um, like visualize a kind of a, a wall. It's technically called Great Firewall, Chinese Great Firewall. What does it mean? It means that behind this wall, right, we have a totally different ecosystem uh, compared to the Western one, so it means that all or most of the channel we would use in the Western country, uh, such as you know Facebook or Instagram or you know Google or whatsoever, will not be used by the local uh, Chinese, uh, let's say uh, citizen this is because of course back to the 90s uh, there were some regulations that were imposed by the government and still china is a uh, you know let's mm, say pretty close country so they tend to promote their own companies their own big companies so we would say that today we have uh, the uh, bat and tmd and i will tell you what are these you know acronyms they do uh, <laughs> Exactly. Um, versus the the uh, funk. So funk. What, what what does it mean? That funk is an acronym that was actually uh, created in the in 2013 by a a, um, a TV also CNBC on the program Mad Money, and it, it means Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Right. That are the big tech company in the Western. Actually, now that Facebook turned into Meta, we have the G-A-M-A, so the Gamma, uh, and it's uh, Google, uh, Amazon, Meta, and Apple. So, you know, there is always, you know, like um, something new even in, in the Western country. On the other end, in China, we have, so But what does it mean? It's Baidu, so the big tech group in China, so Baidu, the search engine. Uh, Alibaba Group and Tencent Group. And TMD stands for Total Meitran, and So the other you know tech giant. So basically, as you can see behind these names, there are mm, a lot of different apps that Chinese consumer will use. So yes, the ecosystem is different. And also the way users, so consumer, use their uh, this app so for example a very simple let's say example to make uh, our audience understand is that in western culture we have so many apps to do so many different things so we would use facebook you know to chat with our friends we, we would use um uber to call for a taxi on the other end in china we have app that you can do everything with that with them so like uh, age 24 uh, app. So, for example, WeChat or even AliPay or so Juefubao. So, you enter in this app, and you can either chat, pay, and book a restaurant, and then maybe do customer service. And so not only for the you know, uh, consumer, but also for companies. So, com- companies can invest into one channel or more than one, and and do uh, multifunctional activities. Uh, in order to benefit their business. So that's the, that's the main difference. And on the other hand, I would say also that some of the Chinese apps are even uh, uh, more, let's say, uh, they, they, they have a lot of functionalities they, they, that maybe we don't have yet in, in Europe, you know what I mean, or in the Western. So, so- they're very advanced.
0: Clearly, a, a huge array of apps and a very advanced sort of ecosystem, as you say. And I guess the question that therefore rises is um, how, how do you decide on the correct marketing strategy for the Chinese market? Being a, a company wanting to go out there and sort of go to market in China.
1: Yeah, this is a, a challenge, of course, because, you know what, um, especially for SMEs so more medium enterprises, um it's a long way i mean it's a long way literally and also you know like uh, metaphorically because you need to you know uh do a lot of pre uh, analysis phase so you have to do a market entry strategy first understand the landscape understand the competitor check where are you you are positioned and of course have, have a budget because that's very important you cannot enter in china you know with few Let's say uh, penny or what, whatsoever. I can
0: do that, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you do you do have to have like a you know a budget and a strategy, and then planification and and planning ahead, planning ahead your activities. So it's not you know a meet uh, a short mid term strategy. It's more like long term strategy approach. So you need to understand better you know, uh, the landscape and uh, also find the correct partners and the, you know, that will
2: um, guide you toward this trip. So yes. You mentioned the long-term strategies. Um, I would like to ask um, what are the biggest challenges that companies face when uh, trying to reach the Chinese market especially for the long-term success?
1: Well, that also really depends from the, um, let's say industry right, because it's um, before I mean when I was living in Shenzhen and uh, working there uh, for this multinational uh, consulting firm. uh, I remember so back to 10 years ago, it was not that easy to, for example, to set up a business and do you know online commerce. Uh, on the other end today so with all the new regulation and uh, a lot of uh, you know uh, new um, uh, opportunity for international business for example a company can also set up a cross-border e-commerce so can enter the market without being in the market i don't know if you, you understand what I mean, right? So, before was like, okay, I need to do like an FDI, so a foreign direct investment. I need to, you know, uh, hire people or look for stuff, uh, look for stuff that, you know, will be uh, loyal to my company, so trust and so on. Right now, it's a bit, let's say, I would say, easier, right? To uh, set up a business, and uh, of course you need to understand that, as I said, uh, the uh, return of investment would be more like in two or three years, so you will not you know, reach your break even so quickly as you may do in other countries, because it's, uh, it takes time, you have to be patient, and of course you need to have uh, reliable resources, so uh, human resources also is a, is a theme. So it's something that we need to, um, let's say, consider and understand when we, we think to, you know, set up uh, a business either online or offline.
0: And I guess, what advice would you give, like what one piece of advice would you give to any company wanting to consider or also weighing their options about whether to go into China um, or not? Or is there a point when a company knows it shouldn't go for China yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is really, as I said, depends from the from the industry, and also we would suggest a preliminary, um, let's say, uh, business uh, analysis to understand, you know, where they are positioning in the market compared to. Their competitor, of course, if there if there is not any kind of awareness of this brand, for instance, uh, uh, we would suggest, uh, you know, like uh, to study um, in details uh, the approach to have. What I mean is that, for for instance, we have a lot of requests every day uh, uh, um, from, for example, small medium enterprise of the made in, for example, Italy or made in France, you know. And yes, everyone thinks that well, but our product are the best and the quality and whatsoever. But in China it's also about more the story behind the brand. So building a story, building your storytelling. So building something that a Chinese consumer would, you know, uh, could or would appreciate. So it's uh, all a mother of, as I said, understanding your, uh, your peers, your positioning, and also uh, focusing on the digital uh, let's say ecosystem. and understand where to go because there are again, so many platforms and even for one industry itself, you know, there are so many platforms. So we need to understand really clearly uh, what's the approach. Then of course we cannot guarantee the results but there are so many you know interesting case because as you may know Chinese consumer are you know like the uh, top you know buyers in the world so by 2025 they will be also the first market for example for luxury goods just to mention one industry so of course we will uh, identify all the uh, the, 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 the key point of a brand in order to be successful in the market. Just be patient and, uh, and your success will
2: arrive. You mentioned how the strategy changed. So first it was uh, looking for um, people in China and um, create like a store in China. Um, but now everything changed. So would you say that it would be possible to conquer the market uh, only with online stores? Or do you see the need of opening a physical store as well?
1: Well, as we said before, or today we have the opportunity to do cross-border business, right? So you don't have to have a physical presence, but you can build your presence. So you have to, I mean, a brand, so if we talk about companies, so we need to uh, bear in mind that the marketing funnel is fundamental. So we need to start from the top marketing finance so the awareness part the consideration and then you know uh, to arrive to the bottom part you know conversion so sales and sell out before selling we need to you know create awareness uh, engagement and build our follower base so i would say that today it's possible to be in china without being physical in China, because as I said, cross-border e-commerce, for instance, allows brand to, uh, to sell in China without having a legal entity established. Uh, on the other end, another trend, another topic that is you know, very trendy recently is also the, the free trade zone and the duty-free zone. So for instance, brand or company Uh, that have a presence, for instance, in Hainan Tao so in um, uh, Hainan Island, um, for instance, that is one of the top uh, duty-free zone uh, right now in China, Uh, they can, you know, engage consumer with O2O strategy, so we call online to offline and offline to online strategy, so O2O technically. And, you know, uh, in this case, you know, you can engage consumer shopping in duty-free zone with a lot of of promotion, involving coupons, involving, you know, like uh, drive to store or drive to commerce activities. So uh, I would say that uh, companies should look into what is trending right now, especially after COVID-19 and, uh, you know, all the um, shift of the, also the international travel, because uh, as you may know, guys, uh, before COVID, in Europe and in the UK, we used to have you know millions of Chinese tourists. So, for example, shopping in the capital, you know, in the uh, in the top uh, cities like like Milan or Paris or London. But we don't have, unfortunately, any more this kind of numbers and this in this kind of uh, top top clients that come to shop in. In, what, in in our country, so uh, and in and this, and this will be like this until maybe two more years. I don't know if you agree. So so we, it means that companies, so companies that are looking into you know the China uh, market right now, need to understand that uh, it's, there is a very different and you know changed. Uh, approach compared to before right and, so um so yes i would suggest an o2o strategy that also is one of the uh, um let's say mantra of the founder of uh, alibaba group
0: and so, and yes. what i guess you mentioned this o2o strategy is that um a new long-term innovation for i guess going going to going out to china or, or southeast asia for that matter and do you see Um, I guess, uh, as much growth in China as you do in other parts of Southeast Asia? Or uh, is it all a kind of, I guess, if you're developing a strategy for that part of the world, is it all very uniform in the same way?
1: Mm, To be honest, no, because, I mean, each country in Asia would have different channels. So some, um, let's say, Japan is totally different from mainland China, but it's also different from Hong Kong. So basically, we need to consider, you know, each each country in a separate, you know, way. So Korea, in Korea, they have their own uh, channels, and uh, in uh, in other, you know, a Southeast Asian country, they may use, you know, Facebook clearly or Instagram. But say, let's say that China is very very unique uh, for the. Uh, the channel that they were used. So uh, I would say that the Ottawa strategy could be uh, possible, possibly, possibly, possibly uh, an, an option also for other countries, but the channel would be different. Uh, let's say that in, for example, digital payment, um, very, very common in China. Uh, that's very uh, less common in in Europe or. Uh, even in the U.S., uh, for example, in China, we have over over 800 million people, for example, paying with mobile. And these people would pay with their mobile when traveling overseas. Overseas would mean also, you know, uh, Thailand or uh, Vietnam and whatsoever. So uh, to be aligned with the needs of the Chinese consumer. I would say that's a must also for other international you know, businesses that aim to target the Chinese consumer.
0: Fantastic. I think, I think that's all we've got time for today, but it's been fantastic to have you on the podcast with us today, Alice.
1: Well, thanks for your time, guys. And uh, well, feel free to ask me any more questions in the future and uh, happy to be here with you. Thank you so much, Alice.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you haven't already, join our community online on Instagram where you can stay up to date with the latest episodes and reach out to us.